the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'll be joined by Frank Figueroa today, one of the speakers for Reasons for Hope, as we discuss Thanksgiving from a biblical worldview. You can reach me via email at this address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. Theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I am excited to be joined once again by Frank Figueroa. Frank is one of the wonderful speakers for Reasons for Hope, the national ministry sponsor of The Plum Line. And Frank's uh, coming with me today, or coming on to share about Thanksgiving, both from the standpoint of the holiday that we're celebrating, as well as from the standpoint of the importance of Thanksgiving in our lives. And so we'll have that dual fold focus here. Welcome to the broadcast, Frank. Thanks for coming on. Aloha. Thank you for having me, Jake. Yeah. And uh, we want to start here as this will air in many markets anyway, right on Thanksgiving Day. Some other places it'll air at different times. But for those who are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving on this day, happy Thanksgiving to you. And we want to begin by why we even have a Thanksgiving here, because it's something that, well, a lot of people trace back to the pilgrims. And we don't know necessarily, I guess, or totally how accurate that is. But tell us a little bit, Frank, about why we even have this holiday we celebrate called Thanksgiving. Well, we know that people like Bradford and Brewster and other people who came with the pilgrims traveled through some treacherous ordeals to get to a new land where they did not have to be forced to worship the way the king desired them to worship where they were living. And so they came over and lost uh, most of their people uh, along the journey's way. After they lost those people with help from some of the Native Americans, they were able to uh, sustain through that arduous year, and they came together to celebrate in ways with feasting, and not necessarily the way we think of today, but to actually just celebrate and give God thanks for the fact that they survived. 
Mm. And so uh, if you break it down in a nutshell, that is the point of Thanksgiving for God's providence and protection and bearing their lives in a journey that took out most of them. Right. And we, if we trace back even farther, we do know enough to know that these pilgrims who came really came for the reason of the advancement and expansion, you could say, of faith, right? Right. Their main purpose was for religious freedom, and they wanted to be able to raise their children in ways that they felt were consistent with what the Bible taught. And so they came over specifically to avoid the pressures of the government and the way the government was wanting them to run their religious lives. And so they came over for the freedom of that, specifically to avoid being pressured into doing things the way the government saw it, rather than the way they knew the scriptures were leading them to raise their families. Right. And so to me, it displays incredible, remarkable faith and thanksgiving as well, that they would have thankfulness after this journey that they endured. And as you said, losing the majority of them, and yet they came off thankful. Yes. And and there's a long story, obviously, attached to that. But they were very grateful for the fact that they had food, for the fact that they weren't killed by diseases and many other things that the rest of their party were. Uh, that they were they survived the, the brutal winter and different things that happened uh, from the point at which they landed to the point at which they were grateful for the fact that the people that they were surrounded by people like Squanto and his uh, bringing about a peace treaty with Chief Massasoit um, helped them to actually have some allies in the area to help protect them and take care of them was huge. And so uh, they they were just grateful for a, a number of things and were very uh, just uh, remarkably blessed that they survived all of these conditions. And so they wanted to offer a time of celebration regarding those things. Mm-hmm. Well, and from a historical perspective here, we're talking about 1621. That's what we believe to be the first Thanksgiving, right? Correct. And uh, they, they came over on their ships and uh, ultimately... They, April and I were actually even blessed to be able to go where the Mayflower uh, landed uh, in Plymouth and see some of the area. And definitely during the certain times of the year, that area gets pretty brutal. And so they were able to come over and, and, and do that and uh, form the first colonies, um, establish laws and as far as the way they govern themselves and really set out on a new uh, course for life with faith being the primary motive behind why they did it. And even if you go to the Capitol uh, today and you look at the uh, rotunda, they have a painting of the Pilgrim's Embarkation. And when you look at that, you see Bradford and Brewster there, you know, eyes lifted to heaven. I I believe etched into the sail is the words, God with us. Um, The Bible is opened. Uh, They're making prayers and intercession as they're even coming over that their desire is to seek God's will, but not only that, they're super grateful for his protection and providence uh, all along the process. So when you hear people say, well, it's just about uh, an American holiday that's based on food and and football, uh, nothing could be further from the truth. 
Yeah, amen. And tracing back to what I shared about their really resilient faith, uh, you share a statement that we don't have an attribution for who said it, but that the pilgrims could celebrate it all in this setting was a testimony both to human resilience and heavenly hope. I think that's uh, well put by whoever stated that. And the reality is that, you know, when you survive through something like they endured, it certainly does build that resilience in your spirit and that faith as well and that trust in in God. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about the the setting there. And again, as you say, too, there's very little reliable information about all of this, but our understanding, what we see in the pictures always, is that the pilgrims, you know, met up with some apparently friendly uh, natives, uh, Native Americans there, and that's kind of, you know, who sat down and had the meal together. Is that somewhat, do we believe that to be somewhat accurate? Yeah. So from all of our information that we have, uh, which is actually very little, there's just a few brief accounts. There were somewhere about 50 settlers present who were once again survivors of this uh, horrific first winter. They were able to meet with 90 uh, or so uh, Wampanoag uh, men and their chief Massasoit who were there. Uh, And once again, that was really facilitated by Squanto and his being the middleman between the pilgrims and the Native Americans there. And Squanto helped them to survive by teaching them how to plant in a new land. So they were gathered there, and there were probably not a lot of things that we are accustomed to. Like, you know, you often see this big, long table that that is spread out, and they're sitting across from one another. That probably was not the case from the information that we gathered. They met for uh, three days instead of just one, and they probably sat on the ground as they did it. A lot of the food choices that they had were probably not the same things that we had. And so there, there's a lot of discrepancy between what some revisionist history books have said and what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, things like, uh, you know, we, we celebrate by having pumpkin pie, but there, there was no ovens back then. So there's no way they could have baked pumpkin <laughs> pie, for instance. We, we celebrate with cranberry sauce, but... Uh, sugar was not available in the way it is today. And so there were many things of that dinner that was probably not the same as what we experience today at our Thanksgiving dinners. Hmm. Yeah, and I'll just mention what you say here that uh, the meal might have included. And I've heard this before, too, but I've never seen it pictured. <laughs> and uh, it'd almost be humorous if we saw it pictured, but yet it's reality. Probably, you know, some fish. You, you mentioned perhaps eel even. And uh, the vegetables that are likely raised, turnips, carrots, things like that. So even corn, you know, they may have had corn, I suppose. But, you know, that's typical that we see the, the corn, and that may not have been part of it either. So, yeah, it's just very, very different from what we see in the pictures typically. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and probably the biggest contrast is uh, when I was doing some of the research on this uh, throughout the years um, is that they probably didn't even have turkey. The record is by Edward Winslow that they ate some form of fowl, but he doesn't mention what that fowl was. And so some people speculated that it would probably have been easier for them to go and shoot goose or duck Uh, rather than turkey. Hmm. So we have no idea what really, as far as what specifically they ate, but we do know that it was some form of fowl. But uh, the tradition as far as us having to have turkey 
because that's what they ate. That's not necessarily true either. Oh, no. Thanksgiving without turkey cannot be, can it? <laughs> Couldn't be Thanksgiving. Yeah, and, 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 Especially if you're going to have to eat eel and shellfish along the way, which, which I don't mind, but you know, it, it definitely would bring a different flavor to the the meal there. Yeah, no doubt. And they likely sat on the ground eating with their hands. You know, too. Yes, uh, I, I mean that's the way people ate, and they didn't have the utensils that we have, and you know, fancy place settings and so forth, and and tables and chairs and all of these things. They were just struggling to survive. Mm-hmm. And so we know that the Native Americans often ate just sitting on the ground and with their hands. And so assuming that they were wanting to be like them within the group and, and, and sharing that experience, many have argued that that's probably the way in which they ate. They just sat together on the ground and, and ate with their hands. And, and that's how they partook of that first meal. Well, we're going to get into the true purpose and reason for giving thanks in just a bit here on the next segment. I want to talk a little bit more about Squanto as well. So stick around, folks, as we discuss Thanksgiving, looking back to the little bit of knowledge that we have about that first Thanksgiving in 1621 with my guest, Frank Figueroa. Again, Frank is one of the speakers for Reasons for Hope, the national ministry sponsor of the Plum Line. And my thanks to Frank and Reasons for Hope for their partnership with The Plumb Line. My thanks to you for tuning in, and if you want to reach out to me and share your thoughts or comments about the broadcast, you can do so at this email, theplumbliradio at gmail.com, theplumbliradio at gmail.com. Remember, Plum is P-L-U-M-B. Stay tuned. Proverbs Payments is a partner with The Plumb Line in helping me to raise the funds necessary for broadcasting this gospel-proclaiming show. Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. To learn about how they can benefit your business or ministry, visit ProverbsPayments.com. You're tuned in to The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, my guest is Frank Figueroa, speaker for Reasons for Hope, talking about Thanksgiving And here in the first portion, we're discussing the holiday itself of Thanksgiving. We're also going to talk about Thanksgiving in the sense of how it should be, must be, part of every believer's life. And having a thankful heart really is, uh, no, it's just a characteristic, an attribute that every Christian should exhibit. And so we'll get into that as well. But Frank, uh, welcome back here. And let's talk a little bit about Squanto, because I have heard, I was trying to recollect if it was uh, an addition of maybe Adventures in Odyssey or something over the years, or seemed like it was something to do with Focus in the Family that had uh, a teaching or something or episode on Squanto. And so to my understanding, he became a, a believer. And so relate with us, if you would, what you know about this Native American Squanto. Well, I, I know that one of the tragedies that he went through is his people actually died due to the plague, and he survived because he was taken as a slave. In fact, it's interesting because he was taken to Europe, and as he was taken to Europe, he was introduced to the faith, the biblical faith, uh, while he was there, and that became huge in God's providence for the pilgrims, because uh, one of the things is he also learned to speak English. And one of the things that's often misconstrued is that the pilgrims came over because they wanted to keep certain traditions, like possessing slaves and and, and keeping them within slavery. But if that were truly the case, 
it would be odd for Squanto to align himself with people who mistreated slaves, he being a former slave. So what we know is that he, uh, as his people were perishing, he was taken as a slave over to Europe. Uh, we know that he uh, was taught there and learned to speak English. And that became huge when he came over here because he then could act as a go-between between the Native Americans, which he knew their language, and the pilgrims because he knew their language as well. Uh, in fact, so much so that the pilgrims actually settled on land that was from his people. And so therefore, he was this perfect go-between that helped the pilgrims actually meet and get adjusted in a new world in a way that not many people could have been because he was, and I, I hate to draw the analogy, but it, it, it's, it's almost like Jesus was 100% man and he was 100% God. And so he was a perfect go-between between man and God. In somewhat of a similar way, Squanto being someone who was cultured in English culture while he was there, as well as Native American culture, was the perfect go-between so that these people, the pilgrims who came over, who knew really nothing about the land and about the culture that was here, uh, Squanto was that perfect go-between that could help them bridge that gap in that way like probably no one else could. Yeah. And so as far as this faith that he uh, developed, I guess, or he came to know Jesus Christ, that we understand took place probably while he was in Europe? Yes, that's what we believe, is that he became a believer while he was in Europe. And so when he came back, he actually shared a common faith with the pilgrims, and therefore that helped him to really want to partner up with them. And, and, and in fact, it's kind of interesting because he ends up actually, in a way, going for a time against the pilgrims and uh, Chief Massasoit and some of the Native Americans. But when he, he goes against Chief Massasoit, they want to take him out. They want, they want to kill him. And so he, he goes to the pilgrims because of that like faith. They forgive him and they embrace him as one of their own. And so it's interesting that he actually ended up with them because of a common faith in Jesus more than he did with his own people. And so once again, some pretty remarkable some people would say coincidences, but uh, we see God's hand of provision throughout the whole process. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. And so another thing to note here is that the pilgrims, as they came, and they, they didn't have the same perspective on this day of Thanksgiving that we had at least for a time. Now, I realize Thanksgiving now is, and you mentioned this too, it's it's really just kind of about a large meal and getting, you know, family together and watching football or whatever in the Macy's Parade or whatever it is that takes place on that day. And But for a time, at least, it, it seemed as though in America, Thanksgiving was centered on worship and giving thanks, which is what it, you know, that's what the name is, Thanksgiving. So it ought to be about giving thanks, but it's kind of gone away from that. But even that, that first Thanksgiving may not have been quite as focused on that as, as we think. It sounds like there were a lot of other things that took place, huh? Yeah, so so like as a former pastor, obviously, uh, when I say former pastor, I, I still view myself as someone who cares about God's people, but I no longer lead a church per se. 
but I, I did that for 25 years. And one of my big things was every Wednesday before Thanksgiving, when we would have midweek service, spending time in prayer and adoration to God and, and giving him thanks and, and trying to bring out the significance in, in a holy way. But the first Thanksgiving was probably simply a harvest celebration. Uh, it included uh, recreational games, things like military drills. Some people say that it probably had shooting contests and marksmanship type of uh, games in that way. And uh, ultimately, it was something that was just very simply, hey, let's get together because we're grateful to be alive and thankful for what God has allowed us to endure rather than uh, sometimes the over-spiritualized uh, form of thanksgiving that we see in uh, many of the church settings today. And hear me clear, I don't want to make it like we should not be grateful to God because they were for everything that he brought them through. But it wasn't like they had hours long time of prayer and, and, and really read scripture to note everything that they had gone through and, and really reflecting on that, although they may have for a brief period, but they were just having a time of fellowship and celebrating the fact that they were alive and that these things that they had food and, and one another was huge because most of their party passed away and they didn't have that. So yeah, it, it, it is a lot simpler than I think we make it out to be sometimes. Mm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the development of Thanksgiving from there. We're tracing all the way back to 1621, but then it took a lot of years before Thanksgiving actually became a holiday celebrated in America, right? Yes. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until uh, later on that there was a national holiday proclaimed. And, and so there were people who kept it up to that point as a point of remembrance, but uh, it wasn't celebrated as a national holiday like how we have it today till much later on in the time of the pilgrims, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't. I meant to pull that up, but I don't have the exact time period when it really went through Congress, right? And Congress officially made Thanksgiving a, a holiday, huh? Well, I, I, and George Washington was actually the first person who designated a time of public giving of thanks, Thursday, the 26th day of November, I believe, in 1789, was the first national celebration of it. But then it worked its way through the system. You know, Congress enacted laws uh, ratifying it on the fourth Thursday of the month. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that it, was, it started with Washington, but it worked its way through until it was demarcated as specifically the fourth Thursday or uh, whatever have you of each month of November. And they kept it that way from that point. Mm, yeah, right. Well, let me get to the more important thing than the particulars here. And that is, is it important that we have Thanksgiving, you know, setting aside a specific day like we do, is that important? I think it's hugely important. And the reason is, as believers, we are supposed to remember the past so we see where God has brought us in the present. And so remembering what God has delivered us from and where he's delivered us to and the process by which he did it, and then ultimately recognizing the fact that it is his hand that did it not only helps us to have a grateful heart and live in humility before him, but it also helps us to have these uh, times where we can share them with our children. Uh, according to Deuteronomy, I believe that we're supposed to, you know, write things in on, on our doorposts and, and speak of them when we raise up and when we lay that lay down. 
And so having a designated time where we can reflect on what God has done, I, I think ultimately brings us closer to God and closer to each other. And therefore, I, I don't see how you could go wrong with celebrating Thanksgiving in that way. Yeah. And you have a verse here that you quoted for me out of Job chapter 8 that I want to bring up. Uh, Job 8, 8 and 9. For inquire, please, of the former age, and consider the things discovered by their fathers. For we were born yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are a shadow. Uh, You would expect that verse to come out of Job, because they were doing a lot of uh, thinking in this type of vein, the reality that they know nothing compared to God. And so, yeah, we should as well. We should think about how things were handled in the past, how we can both learn from it, as well as maybe some things that we should even return to from our past, right? Absolutely. And and I believe without knowing uh, the past and where we've come from, there's no way we could advance into the future because otherwise we're doomed to repeat the past. And so, yes, we definitely should be mindful of these things. And uh, that requires not only knowledge, as far as remembering what happened, but also a heart that understands the fact that far worse things could have happened. None of them could have survived. And there are many things that God has spared us throughout the years that were it not by his gracious right hand, we would be in a lot worse situation than where we're at. And it's important to reflect on that and to give thanks to him and and share it with one another so that we remind ourselves of those things especially as we see the day approaching, because it keeps our eyes heavenward rather than just focusing on earthly things. We often get too comfortable in this world, and so we're afraid to leave it behind. And so uh, we rarely hunger for the things of heaven like they did. They they were willing to risk all for the sake of the heavenly pursuit. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, if we were raised with Christ, we're to seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For we died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. The idea is that we're we're so comfortable in this world, and we're so focused on the things we possess, that we often have been uh, lulled into a sense of security that they didn't have. They were willing to risk all because they felt like they had nothing to lose. Well, tomorrow on The Plum Line, we'll discuss Thanksgiving from the perspective of how it should be part of every believer's life. Thankfulness from a biblical perspective. So join me then. You can reach me via email at this address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And we'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.